0: Welcome to the Design Thinkers Academy London podcast, where we focus on design thinking and its role in some of the biggest issues facing society today. I'm Samant Bhartia. So what's it like to be an intrapreneur? What's it like to be a brand leader at organisations such as Virgin Atlantic and Etihad Airways, as well as directing design at hotel groups IHG and Belmont? And how can you develop your company's brand? Well, one person who can answer all these questions is Joe Ferry. He's one of our top facilitators on our courses, such as Design Thinkers Bootcamp and Storytelling. And he's even got time to be a visiting professor at Brunel University. Joe, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much. Great to be here. And lovely to have you. And that is, I've got to say, a really impressive CV, Joe. And I've only really scratched the surface, if I'm being honest.
1: And also, how many
0: countries have you worked in?
1: Quite a few. I think one of the joys of working for international airlines and hotel companies that have properties all around the world is you do get to travel to incredible places. You know, I've worked in places like Peru and Brazil and Mexico and lived in Abu Dhabi for a while. And, you know, as, as well as with the airline, you know, we were doing lounges, clubhouses in a lot of America and Japan and... Singapore, and <laughs> yeah, I could go on, but he realized that wow. everything's accessible, but at the same time, there's such a vast difference in cultures and the way people have a, a different perspective of life depending on where they are on the planet.
0: Now, you've had some great name checks. The Virgin boss, Richard Branson, the iconic boss, I should say, of Virgin Atlantic, he's name checked you in his books as being a top. Entrepreneur. Now, for those people who don't know, can you just explain what an entrepreneur is? Because it's a very special role, and I suspect a lot of people who take our courses want to be an entrepreneur.
1: Yeah, I, I expect a lot of people that take the courses are an entrepreneur. Basically, True. Sir Richard coined this phrase for people who had a vision about innovation and product development within an organisation. How can you have this entrepreneurial spirit but at the same time be inside an organisation? So I suppose. It's quite nice that you're very entrepreneurial without any or very little of the risk because it's not your money that's going in it i suppose the downside is if you're successful you get very little of the reward as well but the whole idea of an entrepreneur, i think is having someone who can understand a direction that the company would benefit in going in and is given the ability to make their vision come alive what makes a top entrepreneur? What do you think are the skills you need or mindsets, that sort of thing? Well, first of all, I think if you're doing real innovation, you're embarking on something that's never been done before. So you've got to be very comfortable with the unknown and you've also got to be quite articulate in explaining to people that you're going to take them on a journey into the unknown. You really are exploring a future that hasn't yet been written. So being able to articulate what that future looks like without having to be completely detailed in the exact outcome so that you get people excited, you get people to understand which direction you want to go in. I like to call them future memories but within any organisation people will be having a completely different perspective of what it will mean to them. So if you can have empathy in terms of what the impact or or what the needs from the various people in the organisation are and understand what that will mean for operations, what it will mean for commercial and financial people and again show them the upsides of why does this future look so good. Can you give us an example from your extensive experience? Certainly Virgin Atlantic we were prolific in innovation and I think that way certainly when we did the second version of the business class seat was to bring together a group from different parts of the organization and develop the products as a team so we were continually understanding the different needs and the different drivers from all the different groups within the organization so we called it the big brother house where you know the engineers the cabin crew the designers and the of commercial people would come together and explore what the implications of the innovation that the designers were coming up with
0: you're renowned for creating really strong brands
1: but you know how would you define the perfect brand i don't think there is such a thing as a perfect brand i think you know i like to look at brands as almost like you look at people they've got great things about them and there are some areas that aren't brilliant and i I think really good brands are generally very authentic. So they know what they are really good at and really promote that and deliver against that and then where they fall short, they acknowledge that and either give examples of how they want to improve or they don't go out to please absolutely everyone. They know who their core customers are and make sure that the brand is appealing and relevant to them. The best brands understand that the world is continually changing and if they want to be as relevant as they were initially they need to change because it's very easy for brands to become quite irrelevant quite quickly mainly because there's the likes of Virgin who will be challenger brands who see areas of opportunity for a massive improvement on either guest or customer experience or some form of differentiation the landscape of that brand could change quite rapidly so I think great brands understand their consumers and the evolution of the world and are on the front foot. And I guess as well
0: with a brand it's really important that you obviously be very empathetic towards the customer, be true to your employees and also as a leader live those
1: brand values. So those three key elements of a leadership that is able to articulate a brand, a brand that is very strong and clear And then people who want to be part of that journey and part of that brand really believing in what they're doing. It's a magical feeling when it comes together. Certainly at Virgin, you could just see the enthusiasm and the pride that went into people who work there. And obviously got a very charismatic leader, but even tearing down through the organization, you had fantastic leadership throughout the whole organization. So this belief of people wanting to realize that brand and the leadership empowering them f- for that to manifest itself in the way that everyone had envisaged.
0: And I guess you felt that at Virgin Atlantic and, and in some of the other places you've worked.
1: Yeah, I mean, in many, if not all of the organizations I've worked with, the power of brand comes through. I think we're still fairly in the infancy of understanding what does brand mean, and there's you know, lots of experts that will give you many different interpretations of it, but it's certainly not just about a logo or a colour palette. You have to have almost a culture that lives that brand and you deliver amazing products and services or or, or whatever your organisation is there to provide in the world, but do it with that authenticity that only you or only that brand could do it in
0: that way You've shown us how it's worked really well at Virgin Atlantic are there any examples you could give where you know it's been a bit more challenging or I'm, I'm sure it was challenging even to get
1: it done at Virgin Atlantic Yeah, how long have we got? <laughs> <laughs> you know, success is far more succinct than the learnings so, you know don't un- underestimate how difficult it is innovation and brand and creativity and organisations the nice thing about Virgin was pretty self-contained so you kind of had subsets of the brand in, in the various classes of travel within Virgin Atlantic. and then went into Intercontinental Hotels Group, a very big group that has many different brands.
0: I suppose from Intercontinental to Holiday Inn, other yeah, ones as Holiday well. Inn
1: Express, Holiday Inn, Crown Plaza, and the premium brand of Intercontinental itself. So you've kind of got the overarching mother brand, as it were, and then you've got the sub-brands almost that... You know, you're always questioning how much influence should each brand have on each other or between themselves. And it being international, almost if you're a kind of UK-centric brand and you're bringing UK to the world, that's one manifestation which is fairly straightforward. But when you're an international brand that wants to have relevance within a different location, how do you understand consistency? Because you almost need to be inconsistent by being consistent because things will have completely different meanings depending on where they're located in the world, what the cultures are, what the semiotics of the guests are from their prior experience. So incredibly challenging and these brands do an amazing job at being consistent and genuine, yet having all the challenges of kind of appearing to be the same, but at the same time being very different depending on where you are in the world.
0: Yeah, you've done my head in just thinking about how you solved that problem. I'm sure that was a, a you know a fantastic challenge. Just maybe talk to us a little bit about your own design thinking journey because I guess
1: it's not been that long in some respects. You know, I've trained as a designer. Did my first degree at Brunel a long time ago, <laughs> and, and then went to the Royal College of Art. So when people started talking about design thinking, you know, I was thinking, well, that's what designers do, surely, isn't it? You know, I, I, I didn't understand what all the fuss was early on. And the first time I even heard the phrase, I was doing a keynote speech in Hong Kong. And when I arrived, this driver that was going to take me to the conference also said, you're um, traveling with Mr. Moggridge. It was Bill Moggridge, one of the founders of IDO. So the first time I heard design thinking was in this car journey with Bill and my understanding of what IDEO did was you know very product design orientated and consumer goods and so he started talking about, well no actually we're, we're going in a, a slightly different direction and from my interpretation of what he was saying was we kind of think that a lot of the clients that we have don't understand what the problem they've got is. Instead of them coming to us and saying we need a new widget or a new thing, we're actually going to them and saying, shall we help you discover what you actually need? And then he described what, in hindsight, was design thinking. I have to confess, I I was kind of really perplexed and didn't get it straight away. But then, I think a couple of years later, Tim Brown brought his um, Change by Design book out. Mm -hmm. And slowly, it was kind of fitting into place of what is this design thinking thing, and how do you apply it? But the team at Virgin had already been doing that by kind of osmosis because we were trained designers, but we hadn't codified, you know, this process. And in the late nineties, we'd won a uh, design management Europe award for the way that we had a methodology behind the way that we were developing design because we were doing lots of innovation, and at the same time around 2009 i joined the board of trustees of the design council when actually david kester was the chief executive officer there and they developed this double diamond process as well so in the space of like 2 or 3 years from all these interactions and from seeing the design community were articulating how you develop things the penny dropped and then consequently after leaving Virgin I got involved with the Design Thinkers Academy and we've been taking people on a journey of how do you get the best out of thinking like a designer but also being able to articulate what your problem is instead of assuming you know the answer before you've even started which is quite scary for a lot of people because you go into this very ambiguous space which most organisations are really not comfortable with ambiguity.
0: And I've certainly noticed that in my career, and I should just emphasise that David Kester is the head of Design Thinkers Academy London, and David Kester and Associates, which is the parent company of Design Thinkers Academy London. Storytelling, you are involved in our storytelling course.
1: How do you use storytelling at work? Have you used it in the past? I suppose a lot of my job is about storytelling. You know, How do you engage with people to get them to really understand what your vision is, to understand the rationale behind why design is the way it is what the provenance of, of certain elements are certainly in the luxury world understanding about craft and materiality and provenance and cultures it's much much easier if you package that into a story and take people on a journey that is very engaging and is quite easy to both articulate, but also for other people to articulate after they've heard it. And I guess gets people to feel something about what you're trying to do in a way. Yeah, to really engage with it and to believe in it. Certainly when you're doing very innovative, disruptive things, that belief that you require for people to you know really embrace that change is quite a challenge. So if you can put the story across so that they totally get on your wavelength, totally understand why you're doing what you're doing and what the, the benefits are and again going back to this idea of a future memory understanding what it's going to be like when it's actually delivered and how people are going to feel and benefits both to the organization and to the end users if you can take them on a journey in a way that's really engaging and can be interactive as well but also they, they've got the empathy and the engagement required to know how you know it's going to make them feel and what the future will look like.
0: And can you give us an example of that? I suppose, again, Virgin Atlantic Business Class will be a good example of that.
1: Yeah. The one I remember the most is we were working with Pearson Lloyd and Softroom on the interior and seat design within the cabin. And Softroom were great storytellers. You know, in, in retrospect, they were very engaging. When we did the Business Class lounge in Heathrow, they articulated the story of how they wanted the space to feel by that feeling you get when you're on an aircraft, you're on the taxiway, it's pouring with rain, it's a horrible grey day. And that moment when you take off, burst through the clouds and all you can see is a glorious blue sky and the sun again, and certainly if it's been a horrible winter, it's transformational. And so that was the way they articulated how they wanted the clubhouse to feel as you you know gone through the drudgery of the normal airport experience and then suddenly you're into this amazing space so that was a lovely story but when we did the business class space on board the aircraft suffering we're talking about creating an air of natural glamour which basically meant that let's not get too obsessed as designers often do about how to make the actual elements fantastic and beautiful and you know we would do that anyway but you know how can we create an environment that made people feel that they were glamorous. And the analogy they were using always was when you walk on board you've got to feel like James Bond. So as we were telling that story throughout the whole process, you know, people bought into that and could kind of visualize what a space that made you feel like that would be. And then the irony is after it launched, probably two years after it launched, it actually the, the space featured in a Bond movie. So that image of, you know, we want it to feel like the space that James Bond will be actually manifested itself in in reality, which was lovely. (laughs) Job well done.
0: Joe, thanks again for joining us and just sharing your tips, expertise, experiences. And if you're interested in learning more about the Design Thinkers Academy London and its courses, including Joe's, which include Design Thinkers Bootcamp and Storytelling, and why wouldn't you want to learn from Joe with all that experience? Do visit the website at designthinkersacademy.co.uk and follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Many thanks for listening. Look out for further podcasts soon.